Hey, welcome to the Victor Antonio Show. I'm your host, Victor Antonio. And today's topic on episode numero dos, number two, I'm going to talk about procrastination. going to share some research on procrastination. You know what I'm talking about, not getting things done when you know you should get them done. Now, let me just start out with a quick story. Uh, and I tell this story a lot when I do my big keynotes, and that is, you know, one day I discovered I had a small drip in my office bathroom. And so I remember opening the bottom part of the sink, and I could see the small drip, like t- that's all you hear, right? Little, that sound. And so what did I do immediately? Well, if you were in my situation, you went to the kitchen, got a bowl, slid it under the leak, and just say, ha, this is fixed, right? So about a week or two goes by, and that drip is now getting faster. So what do you do? You get a bigger bowl. So, man, you slid, I slid a bigger bowl in there. And this kept happening for the next month or so. And eventually, you know, I couldn't fit a bucket underneath, underneath the sink. So I said to myself, I got to fix this thing. Right, I got to fix this thing, but I kept delaying it. And so finally I said, you know, I got to do it. I got to fix this thing. And sure enough, I remember, uh, got up the next morning, went over to Lowe's, got the things I needed to actually fix it. And then I mentally prepared myself to go in. And then I went in and it took me five or 10 minutes, just five or 10 minutes to fix this thing. And the first question that, you know, hits me after I celebrate, by the way, of being successful, right? The first thing that hits me is, why didn't I do this earlier? Why did I procrastinate for a couple of months before actually getting this done, especially when it took five or 10 minutes. Has that ever happened to you? You procrastinate on something and you think it's going to be the worst thing in the world to do, or it's going to be too hard to do. And you push it off, you push it off and then you do it. And then next thing you know, it's like, you know, I should have done this a while back. The question is, why didn't you? So before I give you the answer to the, why didn't you do that? Like I did, why didn't I do this earlier? We're going to talk about procrastination and what it is, how it affects us, not only how it affects us today, but in the future as well, and some strategies, some tips and tricks that you could use to get out of your procrastination and funk, if I can put it that way. Now, I found a great article, and by the way, so I've written a paper around this, right? So we've got a paper, and in the paper, I'm going to highlight all the source material, all the references that I'm going to use during this show. And so it'll be all also in the notes and at the end of the paper. So you'll be able to download the paper, click on the specific links to find out more information. And the first thing I want to talk about is one, uh, one gentleman listed out a list of different ways that we procrastinate. Now, I only thought there were like two or three ways of procrastinating or reasons for procrastinating, but apparently I came up with a list of 28. Yes, 28 reasons why we procrastinate. Now, without going through the whole list, you can download the paper and review the all 28. But the ones I want to highlight, a few here. One was the goal is too abstract. In other words, when we don't really know what the goal is, it's too abstract, too soft, it's not really firm or you know very definitive, what we'll do is like not really buy into it. So we go, you know, we just put it off. The other one I thought was interesting that the rewards are far in the future. That's another reason for procrastination. When we don't see the rewards immediately, what we tell ourselves is that since it's so far in the future, it's like we can't see it. And because we can't see it, it's not like the carrot. You know, you, you want to go for it. It's just too far in the future and we can't see ourselves obtaining it. I'd rather worry about right now. Uh, also, how about this one? A focus on future options. Well, the reason I'm not going to do this is because I'm sure in the future other options will present themselves right? People do that. Now, when I've seen a lot where people say, you know what, the reason I didn't take action or didn't do this is because I know, I'm sure, down the road, there are going to be other options. And you know what, so I'm not going to make a decision right now. So again, they procrastinate on doing something. And then there's almost something similar called optimism for the future. 
you'll procrastinate on something because you'll believe you believe you strongly believe that you'll be able to do it in the future easily. So you don't really need to do it now. Yeah, I could do that tomorrow. I can do it the next day. It'll get done, you know, and I'll get it done in the future. So not a big deal. Uh, task aversion is a basic one. We just see something is difficult, like the drip, and say, you know what? I don't want to do this. Perfectionism. Oh, that's a killer in procrastination. Perfectionism. I know too many people, too, too many people who never get off start because they're too busy trying to make it right. And when they don't make it right, they tell themselves that, you know what, I need to take more time with this, or I need to dedicate more time to actually get it right or get it perfect. So you know what, let me just push it off to the side for now because I really don't have the time to dedicate the amount of times that it needs to be perfect. And so perfectionism really kills a lot of practical ideas because you try to make it right. Here's the last one on this list. Again, there's 28, I'm just giving you a few. Fear of evaluation or negative feedback. Ooh, that's a good one. In other words, if we do something, you know, and we put it out there, we're afraid of the feedback or the negative comments that will come back. Now, I know this one, like I feel this one because, as you know, I produce this show and I produce podcasts and I produce other videos. And, you know, I have to get over the mental hump of saying people are going to criticize it. Some people are going to like it. Some people are not. You're always going to get these negative naysayers out there. But if you're afraid of that feedback, you won't want to get it done. In other words, you don't want to put yourself out there. But you have to. In the end, you have to. But people procrastinate because they're afraid of the feedback they might hear. Instead of viewing feedback as positive, they may view it as negative as somebody's criticizing them, which is not true. So anyway, there are 28 reasons why you can procrastinate. But at the end of the day, the definition of procrastination, my definition is, is the, the action of inaction. The action of inaction. In other words, you simply do not take action. You keep deferring it to some other time in the future, and you simply don't do it. Now, what's interesting about this is that when you, when you procrastinate, when we procrastinate, it's because, you know, we don't think about our future self. We think about our immediate self, where we are at today. Let me say that again. We don't think about our future self, we think about our immediate self. In other words, the immediate self wants immediate gratification. The future self, that's delayed gratification. Now, we all know that there's studies, many studies, and maybe even the marshmallow study. If you don't know what the marshmallow study is, you know, just Google marshmallow test study. And the marshmallow study essentially is kids were put in a room, they're around three or four years old, and they were told, if you don't eat that marshmallow on the table, I'll come back in 15 minutes and give you another one. And so what they found is that many kids, you know, ate the marshmallow. About two-thirds of the kids ate the marshmallow. But one-third decided not to eat the marshmallow, just held back, willpower, right? Pulled back and didn't eat it right away. They followed these folks for a year, like 20, 30 years later, and they found out that those who were able to restrain themselves— because think about procrastination. It's not so much about time management as it is about impulse control. This one-third that delayed their gratification in the future when they tracked these folks down were doing much better than the two-thirds who actually ate the marshmallow went for the immediate gratification. So unless you're able to think of your future self, where this is going to put you in the future, it's hard not to procrastinate. So most people when they have a task in front of them that they know is difficult. Let's say, for example, you want to start some type of social media campaign, and you know that it's something that you have to do for your future self to have a better future. 
a lot of people, what they'll do is find reasons to avoid that task, task aversion, right? And they'll come up with ways or ways to distract themselves instead of paying attention to that task. You know what I'm talking about. Now, procrastination also has an effect on performance. Here's an interesting study done at MIT uh, at the School of Management in Cambridge. This is an interesting study. What they wanted to find out is, you know, do goals work or do interim goals work? Now, here was the task. What they wanted people to do is to read a paper, right? And you're supposed to read the paper, and you were supposed to correct the errors in the paper and then hand it in on a certain day, okay? Say, read the paper, make the corrections, hand it in on a certain day. Now, they divided these folks into three groups. Group number one, they said, here's the deadline. It's in three weeks, right? Three weeks, here's the deadline, get it done. That's group number one, fixed deadline. Group number two, they had fixed interim deadlines. In other words, let's say it was three weeks. Every week they had to check in and approve, you know, basically say, here's where we're at in terms of our progress. Group number three were told basically, okay, you got to hand it in three weeks, but you can determine your interim goals where you need to be. In other words, by this day, I'm going to have this, these many pages reviewed or edited. By the second week, I'll have this many pages. So again, three groups. Let me restate them. One, fixed goal. At the end of three weeks, we need it done. Proofread, handed in on time. Group number two, handed in three weeks, but you can set your own interim goals, or we'll set the interim goals for you, rather. So every week, they had to check in where they were at, progress report. Group number three, you could set your own interim goals over the next three weeks. What they found was rather fascinating. The winning group was, drumroll, group number two that had fixed intervals. So in other words, group number two, they were told to hand it in three weeks, but every week, for example, they had to check in and give a status update. They handed in their paper half a day late, but they were able to find 136 errors in the paper. Again, interim goals were set for them. They did hand it in late, half a day late, but they were also able to find 136 errors. Group number one that just had the three weeks deadline, like hand it in in three weeks, we'll see you in three weeks. They had their paper in, not half a day late, 12 days late. But instead of finding a lot of errors, like 136, like group number two, they only found 70 errors. Group number three that had the self-directed interim goals, in other words, you can determine your own goals or where you need to be within those three weeks, handed theirs in 6.5 days late, and they only found 104 errors. So in other words, those who were given interim dates between here and three weeks, and then they were given interim goals, rather, to hit, meet, objectives, were able to be more effective, and their performance was much higher. Now, what does that mean? That when somebody sets some objectives for us, that's actually pretty good. If we have to set our own interim objective, that's also pretty good. That's second place. But the worst you can do is give somebody three weeks and not set any interim goals. The big takeaway, set interim goals. And if other people set them for you, almost like somebody who's monitoring you, you know, kind of, kind of holding you to the task, then you will do much better. Now, I often get this, uh, Victor, but isn't procrastination good in some cases, especially for creativity. Isn't procrastination good, especially for creativity? And the answer is yes, you can find many cases. One of the cases we covered here was when Mozart, back in October 28th, 1787, 
He created an opera, the Don Giovanni Opera. The Don Giovanni Opera has two big sections, right? Two big movements. And night before, Mozart finds out, or he's reminded, that he had not written the overture for the opera. Now, the overture is almost like it's, it's the intro to the opera, right? Almost like an, uh, the prelude, like an introduction, you know, setting the mood, setting the tone. He had not written that. And so that night, he stays up all night, through the night, his wife is reading to him as he's putting this together. And guess what? He creates a magic, great, fantastic, creative overture within 24 hours or somewhere in about there, right? So that's amazing. That's an example of creativity. You know, pressure to get something done forces you to be creative, right? So some people tell me, well, Victor, you know, I like to wait till the last minute. And then, it, you know, I can actually get stuff done. But the thing is, we're not all Mozart. In fact, it doesn't work in a lot of cases. We wait till the last minute. Go back to the proofreading study I just talked about. Those people who waited three weeks, almost three weeks, to actually get stuff done were probably under crunch time to get done, which is why they didn't find a lot of errors. In other words, when we don't have a lot of time and we wait for the last minute, you know this, you make a lot of errors, and then you get frustrated. Then you lock up because you're not going to hit your goal, your deadline, right? And that forces this anxiety. This anxiety tightens your brain up, and all of a sudden, again, you get into this place where you can't be free-flowing. So, again, if you're Mozart, great. But, again, is there an upside to, you know, procrastinating? In some cases, yes. In some cases, sometimes you want to have an idea, and then you want to let that idea just breathe a little bit right? It's called like the Zargonic effect. The Zargonic effect is basically if you start a task and you leave it uncompleted with the understanding you're going to come back to it, because it's incomplete, your brain just latches onto it, like it's still ruminating about that actual problem. So there are times where creativity really helps or procrastination really helps creativity, but we got to be careful because if we allow too much procrastination, it could become a habit. So I want to show you this quick video and this video really highlights the upsides and mostly the downsides of actually not taking action and procrastinating. Check this video out. I think you're going to enjoy it. The bad thing about procrastination is that research and studies show that people who self-report themselves ranking on procrastination high, they also self-report low on achievement. So they end up doing less. You may be one of these people. It's really easy to look back when we procrastinated and actually did well. In fact, we might actually cherish these memories because they can justify our future procrastination. But we should not do that. Procrastinating is bad. In fact, even when we are procrastinating, when we're putting off work and we're doing something else, when we're doing that something else, we actually have a feeling of guilt and other negative feelings about it. So why do we put it off? Timothy says that in reality, they are our goals and our lives we are putting off. So this doesn't make sense. In fact, psychologists have a word for it. It's called cognitive dissonance. We choose to procrastinate because we want the pleasure now and we seek immediate mood repair. And this is the puzzle. Why are we putting it off when we know that it will lead to our future goals? We seek immediate mood repair right now at the expense of long-term goals. In psychology, you learn that behaviors that are rewarded get repeated. So eventually, procrastination through reward becomes a habit. Now, one of the best excuses that procrastinators come up with is, well, I'll feel like it tomorrow. In fact, we actually feel good about making this proactive forecast that we're going to feel like it and we're actually going to do it tomorrow. But it's not always the case. In order to alleviate cognitive dissonance, we either need to do two things. We need to change our actions or our thoughts. And most of the time, we do stuff like downward counterfactuals, that is saying stuff like, it could have been worse. Or we distance ourselves. we make a denial of responsibility, uh, it wasn't my fault, it was theirs. 
We may even distract ourselves. We focus on other things that aren't near as important. Sometimes we even change our beliefs altogether to match our actions. What we really should be doing is changing our behavior to match our beliefs. Another common excuse is, I work better under pressure. Now, I heard this excuse a lot in college. However, this isn't true. Through some studies, they have found that less time usually means more errors. A group of psychologists performed a study in which they asked people how they felt about a project on Monday. And those that were putting it off and said that they worked better under pressure, they asked them again on Friday when it was due. And those same people said that they wished that they had more time, and especially they never said, I'm doing great, I work great under pressure. So essentially, we are lying to ourselves. All right, now that's a great video. Now, I jotted down some notes for us. Here's what I jotted down that made sense to me. People who report themselves high on procrastination also report low on achievement. That makes sense. Again, if you're procrastinating all the time, you find yourself in crunch time, you're trying to get stuff done, it's not going to happen. You don't have time sometimes to socialize the information. And that's an interesting word, socialize the information. Because when you start reading content or trying to learn something, sometimes you have to step away from the content, think about it, socialize, and then come back at it again. And so if you're cramming, procrastinating to the last minute, you're not going to have that socialization period to help you absorb that information. I love that phrase, cognitive dissonance. It's when your activity and your brain are not in sync. In other words, you know, you're doing one thing, but your brain says, hey, I should be doing something else or vice versa. So the, the easy example I have in terms of, you know, doing something is on one hand, we'll say we need to get healthy, but then we eat an ice cream bar. Again, we're doing two different things. Need to focus on health as I'm eating a, a candy bar or something. That's cognitive dissonance. So when we know we have to do something and we push it off, you know, again, our brain is saying, hey, we need to get this done, but your activities are saying something else. Let me play a game of Fortnite, whatever it may be, right? So that's a problem. Here's something interesting because here's an irony. I don't know if you caught this. Behaviors that are rewarded are repeated. Right? That's like the greatest management principle. Again, behaviors that are rewarded are repeated. When you procrastinate, you're rewarding yourself. This is interesting. When you procrastinate, you're rewarding yourself and also encouraging yourself to repeat that pattern. It's almost hedonistic. In other words, you're going to actually procrastinate. And you may even feel good about procrastinating because I don't need to do that now because I want to work on something else. But because you're procrastinating, you're actually rewarding yourself by giving yourself more time to do other things. The irony there is that you're reinforcing procrastination. I also like some of the excuses people have, like, I'll feel like it tomorrow. You know, that's forecasting out, right? I feel like it tomorrow. Did you catch this one? The downward counterfacting one. It could have been worse. Oh, I hear that a lot. Oh, you know what, Victor? Okay, I didn't get it done, but, you know, it could have been worse. You know, I mean, that's not even a good reason. It's just a way out of rationalizing why you didn't get something done. Distancing oneself. Okay, you know what? It didn't get done, but, you know, it's, it's really not my fault. You didn't give me enough time or something. I've had people say this to me. You know what? It's not my fault. You know, there's something wrong with the system. The process didn't work. Uh, over here, this person was bothering me while I was trying to get something. It, it, it's not my fault. Even though they know deep down inside they're, they were procrastinating, they waited to the last minute, and they hurt themselves. Distractions. I needed to focus on doing X. Distractions are everywhere. I mean, that right there is like, you know, I think the big hindrance when it comes to trying to get things done. Procrastination and distractions go hand in hand. Uh, I love when people change their belief. Well, it's not that important. You know how something's important? And then because you didn't get it done, you're like, you know what? Uh, it wasn't that important anyway. In other words, you just rationalize that thing away. Have you ever broken the word rationalize apart? 
It stands for the ability to ration lies to yourself. Think about that. That's what procrastinators do. They ration lies to themselves. They talk themselves into believing that I didn't need to get it done. It's not that important. You know what? It's, it's not my fault. That is the language of procrastination. Now, let's look at the primal side of procrastination. Like, what's going on up here? What's going on in this beautiful brain of ours, right? And, you know, you have two main parts I want you to look at. And I want you to think of the prefrontal cortex right here, the prefrontal cortex as the logical side, right? You're thinking logically. Now, back here somewhere in there is the reptilian brain, the primal side, right? Uh, in there, there's something called an amygdala, right? That's the primal side, the reptilian brain. That's the fight, flight, or freeze. Now, people talk about, you know, fight. You know, if you see something, you fight. You, or if you confront somebody, they'll attack you, right? Uh, the flight is that you run away. Uh, you know what? I, I don't need to deal with this right now. And they walk away, right? Or freeze is people who don't do anything because they don't know what to do. So that's what the, the reptilian brain, the most primal brain of ours does. Now, the prefrontal cortex, it's all about logic. It's not emotional. It's all about logic. Reptilian emotional response. The prefrontal cortex is the logical side, the cognitive side, right? This is the one that thinks logically. So there's the rational and the logical side. And when it comes to procrastination, in many cases, it's, it's, it's very visceral. It's very emotional. It's not logical. It's emotional. Let's go back to my story. Now, let's answer it about the drip. Now, again, when the faucet started dripping in my office, what happened was I looked at the drip and the reason I used a bowl and didn't fix it right away, remember the question, why didn't I do this since it only took me five or 10 minutes? Why didn't I do this sooner? Well, here's the answer. See, in my brain, somewhere in my database, my head was a past experience. And in the past, I remember, again, when I really started to think about why I was actually not wanting to do this, is that I recall back in the day, when I worked with plumbing, back in the day, it wasn't PVC pipes where you could just almost like a Lego put it together easily, right? It was copper piping and soldering with heat with a little blowtorch, right? And so every time I messed with copper piping in my past, I did not succeed. I only remember it not going well. So fast forward, that sink is dripping. And what's happening is my reptilian brain, my emotional side, my survival piece, my reptilian brain and my amygdala screaming, don't do it, man. Don't do it. Every time you've messed with plumbing, it's never gone your way, man. Don't do it. And so I, you know, the flight part was in there. That was flight. No, I'm not doing it. And that's why I ignored it, right? And so that's interesting because sometimes our history, our past impacts our future. So what was holding me back from procrastination was past fear. Now, having said that, one of the things that we have to keep in mind is, you know, how do we change that? You know, in, in other words, we all have past experiences, right? We all have reasons for not wanting to do something or take action. Remember the list already, perfectionism being one, future options being another one, or simply I had a bad experience in the past. Now, Here's a way to really think about it, and here's a way to solve your procrastination. So it's one thing to bring up the problem of procrastination and tell you what it is. Now, let me shift over, and let me start talking to you about, you know, how do you solve these problems, right? And I'm always looking for, like, you know, logical, tactical ways that, you know, things that you can do on a day-to-day -day basis to solve this procrastination problem. So I found two strategies that I want to share with you, and we'll end on that. So the first one is, and you've heard the phrase mindfulness, right? 
mindfulness. Now, when that when you hear that word, in many you know many people's brain immediately some guru on top of a mountain, you know, you know, you know, chanting comes to mind. But mindfulness is really about metacognition. Uh, the word meta comes from the Latin word about, right? About cognition, about thinking. It's it's how you think about what you think. So metacognitive, metacognition rather, allows you to think about how you think. You know, you're in the moment, you can think about how you think. And being aware of what you're thinking about really allows something interesting in your brain to happen. Remember, your reaction to not wanting to do something, procrastination, is an emotional response, fight, flight, or freeze. There's something you're trying to avoid. There's something you don't want to do, right? So you're pushing back on it. So the emotional part is really driving your decision-making process. So here's a strategy using mindfulness. When you find yourself procrastinating, exercise these four steps. And again, all this is in the paper. You'll be able to download it with all the reference. Like Step number one, identify a task that you're prone to procrastinate on. In other words, identify something that you're going to procrastinate. Maybe it's going to the gym. Maybe it's working on a report. Maybe it's working on a big presentation. Identify a task. Just pick one for now that you know that every time you're confronted with that task, in my case, a dripping sink, you know that you're going to procrastinate. You're going to push it off. So identify a task. Let's say you got you have to prepare a big presentation, right? You got a big meeting coming out and you have to prepare a big presentation presentation. Now, part of your procrastination process could be that maybe you're afraid. Maybe the last time you did a presentation, it didn't go that well. Maybe you're afraid of the feedback you're going to get. So again, identify a task. Step number two, when you identify, you know, I also identify what do you usually do? Like when I, okay, every time I need to, you know, do something big, like a big presentation, you know, what do I usually do? You know, you've got to be honest with yourself here. Like, what do you usually do? And in many cases, you just find something else to do. But maybe figure out what that something else is. Number three, ask yourself, why do I do this? This is the big question here. Why? Why, why do I procrastinate? Why do I avoid this task? And then ask yourself the five whys, right? Just keep asking five whys. Almost like that Toyota manufacturing, you know, principle, right? Five whys to get to the root cause of why you're not doing it. And then once you get to the root cause of why you don't want to do it, the real reason behind procrastination, then what I want you to do is figure out how to debunk. And I'm going to explain this in a bit. I'll give you an example. How to debunk that excuse. So, for example, here's a simple script I put together. You know, let's say whatever the task is, you need to ask yourself, why am I avoiding this? And then your brain, your other side of the brain may say, because I don't want to do it. That's an obvious one, right? Then say, well, why don't I want to do it? You may say, because it's time consuming. Then you say, well, why, do, you know, why, why don't I want to do something that's time consuming if it's going to be in my best interest, right? You know, because it will lead to, you know, a, a waste of time. Now you're going to think it's a waste of time. Well, why do you think it's a waste of time? Because in the past, it's never been good enough. Well, why do you think it's not good enough? Well, because it's, it's really not that big of a deal, this presentation, right? So you're trying to get to the root cause, and you see how you can actually tie yourself up in the knot. But what you're trying to do is declutter your thinking by asking yourself why, why, why. So if you ended with, because last time I didn't get the deal or I didn't close the deal after I did a big presentation, last time I simply didn't get the deal. I prepared, it's a huge presentation, I spent a week on the presentation and I didn't get the deal. That's the real reason. You don't think it's worth your time, your investment, and it's gonna be a waste of time and you're not gonna get the deal, so why even bother? Now that's the root cause. 
But what you need to do is then debunk. Now that you've gotten to the root, after the five whys, once you've gotten to the root, then what you need to do is debunk that idea. The whole thought about, for example, because last time I didn't get the deal. Remind yourself, remind yourself, and this is the interesting part, remind yourself of times when you did work on the presentation and you did get the deal. Remind yourself of all the times you did win. Because here's what's interesting about human nature. We'll remember all the negative stuff that much more than all the positive. Now, if you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Let's say you're a parent, mother or father out there, right? Did you ever, and be honest with yourself, did you ever like, like you just, you know, just yell at your kid? Just, I mean, not yell at the top of your lungs, but, you know, just snap at the child. Right? Like, no, don't do that. Leave me alone. Or something like that, right? We've all done that. If you haven't, God bless you. You have patience of a saint. But I've done that. And then you feel bad, right? And then 10 years later, I can still remember yelling or snapping at my child. And that just haunts me. It just stays with you. But what you don't recall within those 10 years are the thousands of things you did right. You remember that one negative, but you kind of, you know, diminish those things that you did right, those thousands of things you did right. It's almost like if you put something online. Isn't it interesting how we'll focus on the one thumbs down or two thumbs down, the dislike, and ignore the 100, 200 likes that we got. We get one negative comment and we focus on the negative comment. That's how our brain works. So getting back to my example, when you say, well, the reason I don't want to work on this is because last time I did, it was a waste of time. I didn't get the deal. Well, that's the negative you remember. Now search your database and find out the positive. How many deals did you win? Let's go to my drip example. What I should have done, and I did not do at the time, is I should have said to myself, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I said, okay, that happened 10 years ago. So I could have used the, that was 10 years ago, not today, you know, and try to debunk it that way. Or I could have also reminded myself of all the times I tried other things new for the first time, and it did succeed. But again, it's interesting how our brain focuses on the negative. So remind yourself, again, go through that process. Identify the task you're procrastinating on. Figure out what you do. In other words, what do I do to procrastinate? This is what I do. And then ask yourself the five whys. Some of you may need to go seven whys or ten whys deep just to get to the root cause, whatever it is. Until you feel, satis until you feel satisfied that you've gotten to the root cause, do not stop. Once you get to the root cause, you have to debunk that root cause. In this case, again, it was, you know, last time I did a big presentation, I didn't get the deal. Debunk that by reminding yourself of all the, thing, all the times you did win sales. That's how you do it. One last tip. And when it comes to procrastination, I like to talk about this, is sometimes you got to trick your brain just a little bit. Yes, you got to lie to yourself. I'm going to encourage you to lie to yourself. I like to use the 10-minute rule, right? When you need to do something, sometimes just it's, it's getting started. But sometimes the task seems so overwhelming, you don't even want to get started. So what you should do is give yourself the 10-minute rule. Say, look, you know what? This big presentation, I'm just not in the mood to do it. And then tell your brain, you know what? Let's just work on it for 10 minutes. Let's just work on it for 10 minutes and that's it. And then we'll just stop. And what typically happens most of the time is that you'll wind up working on it for more than 10 minutes. Now, even when it comes to like reading content or material, like I always tell myself, just read for 10 minutes because my brain says, I don't want to read a book. I don't want to do any studying. I don't want to do any research. So I tell myself, well, okay, just read for 10 minutes. And it always happens that I go over 10 minutes. And at the end of that 10 minutes, in either case, whether I'm preparing for something or reading something, I feel that much better about myself. So again, to thy own self be true. Don't be afraid. Step number one to deal with procrastination is mindfulness, right? Because again, 
what tends to happen is when you, you're procrastinating, again, that primal side, that emotional side is just screaming, ah, ah, don't do it. This is too hard. Every time we've done it, we failed. And that primal side is screaming. By asking yourself these questions, what am I procrastinating on? Why am I doing that? Asking yourself the five whys. What you're doing is you're moving it from here to the front. In other words, you're moving it from the emotional center to the prefrontal cortex, which is the logical side of your brain. So think about it. Studies have shown, and I cover this in the paper, is that people who, have, who tend to procrastinate have a bigger amygdala back here and a smaller prefrontal cortex. And what happens when you start shifting over here, making those connections to the prefrontal cortex by asking yourself, why am I procrastinating? What are the five whys? And walking yourself and making it logical, not emotional, because that's what you're doing when you're going through the five whys. You're moving it out of the emotional side, moving it to the prefrontal cortex, the logical side, you begin to see the connection. And remember Hebb's rule, that neurons that fire together wire together, right? And that's how we begin to create new habits. So again, if you find yourself procrastinating, ask yourself the five whys. Identify what you're procrastinating on. Come up with your five whys. Get to the root cause. Debunk it. Or simply say to yourself, I'm going to work on this for only 10 minutes. This is Victor Antonio. Thank you for joining me on this episode of The Victor Antonio Show. We'll see you next time. Hi, I'm Victor Antonio. I'm an author, sales trainer, and keynote speaker. I'm often asked, what makes a great speaker? Is it someone who delivers real content that the audience can use? Is it someone who engages the audience so they're part of the learning experience? Or is it someone who can motivate an audience to push them beyond their comfort zone and discover new abilities? The answer is yes, but the most important thing to remember is that I'm not there to look good. I'm there to make my client look good. Simply put, it's never about me and it's always about them.